Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. And on today's show, I wanted to talk about something that's been very confusing. It's been in the headlines. You see all these sound bites. You've seen the memes going around about the shortened quarantine time based on new guidelines and recommendations from the CDC. So let me first say that I'm pretty sure it's every healthcare professional's goal to be current and update with the most recent COVID isolation and quarantine guidelines and information about vaccines and how to keep everyone safe. It's our goal. But I have to just let people know who are listening. It's awfully hard to be on the front lines, taking care of patients, trying to have somewhat of a personal life because we do have personal lives and stay current with all of these updates and changes, uh, retractions and, you know, emergency use authorizations. Like there's a lot of information going on out there. And I first want to say healthcare professionals, keep doing an excellent job. Don't let anyone, the public, you know, tear you down as if you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're saying. The CDC is so confused. You guys are just doing whatever. Listen, it's, it takes a lot to stay up to date on these guidelines. And I believe while the CDC is gathering all the science, the data and putting it all together and making these guidelines, they've done a horrible job at messaging which is why they are relying on community organizations, healthcare organizations, healthcare professionals and influencers to help share the message. But it's a catch 22 because they want us to share the information, but they want us to say it exactly how they would say it. And that's not how the people in the general public are buying it. There's an element of health literacy and meeting people where they are. And so certain messages need to be delivered certain ways to reach certain people. But anyways, one of the things that has been most confusing really, really confusing, y'all, is the recent shortened isolation and quarantine guidelines. Now, let me say this. The reason why there has been some rumbling, um, not just in the healthcare profession, but in the general public, is because it seems pretty backwards that we, and it seems like the guidelines are taking a step back when it comes to protection and you know, decreasing the amount of time someone should be isolated or quarantined, especially at a time when we are starting to see a spike in the number of Omicron cases across the nation. I mean, Omicron just got to the United States in December, less than three weeks. It was the most dominant strain overpowering Delta. Now, let me just quick refresher for folks who may not know. The reason why Omicron was able to supersede Delta is because it literally replicates about 70 times faster than Delta. It has about 30, over 30 mutations to the spike protein that allows it to 
grab onto our tissue to stick to it, basically, to invade it. And then it replicates so fast. And because it is lives more so in our upper airways versus deep down in our lungs, which is why we see mild illness. And because of that, it's in our upper airways, it's really easy to transmit. Talking, breathing, and there's even this thing about transient spread. So basically, I'm walking down a hallway, you're walking down a hallway, we just go in passing. Yes, I can spread it. And there's also, you know, some concern about how long it is staying propelled in the air. So long story short, Omicron is more contagious. So why, in a time where we have a variant that's more contagious, would we ease back on the guidelines? I know, like we've said, Omicron tends to have more mild symptoms, more mild illness. We're not having the increased rates of deaths that we've saw with initial variants. And that's a good thing, right? But it's still contagious. But I guess in the grander scheme of things, if I will, and I actually, I will, because it is my podcast, the CDC, along with the FDA and other, those other governing bodies have eased back on some of the guidelines. One, because the symptoms are more mild, there've been less cases of deaths um, with the Omicron strain because of those things. And because we have more PPE available and because more people have been vaccinated, more people are getting boosted and we're just more knowledgeable as a public. They believe that in order for us to get back to a quote unquote normal life, that costs benefit analysis, that it's okay. Not saying that it's okay for you to get COVID. No, we don't want anyone to get COVID. We don't even want you to have mild illness, but for the sake of getting back to some normalcy, in your life, they believe that it's okay. You're not necessarily going to die from COVID and can resume some of your regular activity, which is why they've shortened the quarantine and isolation time with instructions though, with instructions of still isolating at home and still wearing a mask when around other people. And so I just want to say this, the guidelines are shortened, have been shortened by the isolation time. And I think the sound bites that have been permeating the airway and things like that have been misconstrued, especially by people who've not fully read the guidelines. Now, no shade, but shade. How many of y'all who are listening have actually gone to the CDC website and read the entire document, entire document, not saying you heard somebody talking on live, not no cliff notes, but you've read the actual CDC guidelines about what to do when you're positive when you've been exposed, all of those things. It's like one of those books where you got to kind of pick your ending. Like if you, you know, you like you read a page and at the end of the page, it's like, if you want to go left, turn to page 52. If you want to go right, turn to page 100. I don't know if they make books like that anymore, but it's kind of like one of those books. Like there's really like, if this, then do that. If this, then do that. And it's really, really confusing. And I myself, as an advanced practice nurse, I actually kind of have a heads up, a leg up on some of my other colleagues. And reason being is because I actually seek this information out, one, because it's interesting to me and I work with a lot of patients that have COVID. And two, as a medical correspondent for NBC Los Angeles, one of my duties is to keep the public informed and abreast of the latest guidelines, the science and the data. So I am knee deep in COVID. I'm reading COVID stuff every day. I'm reading these documents every day and detailed. I'm reading the entire studies. I'm reading the entire interim guidelines put out by the American Heart Association. I'm reading the entire guidelines from the CDC. I'm reading the press releases and everything from the FDA. So when I say something about COVID, trust, know, and believe it's because I've done my due diligence and I'm fully aware of the content contained within the documents. And I can apply my 23 plus years of nursing 
clinical and cr- judgment and critical thinking coupled with being on the front lines of COVID. So if you take all those things, I feel like I have something to say. And I think I'm really someone reputable to listen to when I talk about COVID. So back to these shortened quarantine and isolation guidelines. I know when they came out, it was just appalling. Like what? Like you're like grabbing your neck and making like a weird face. Like how would they, why would they do that? And yes, I will say I too found myself in that situation. And especially at a time where we're seeing a spike in Omicron cases, right? Like why are we dialing back when the cases are dialing up? And I'm not saying I agree with them because quite honestly, I don't necessarily agree with the language that was used in communicating this. But looking at the science, looking at the data, I can see what they were trying to do, but it just didn't give what it was supposed to have been given. That's just facts. So let me say this. The first guideline came back that healthcare workers can return after return to work after seven days, provided they've their symptoms are improving and there's no fever and they've tested negative no sooner than 48 hours before returning to work, which would mean day five. Now that was a little mouthful. And you might think like, there's some interpretation that's like, what? You know, like a little confusing. And I believe, because I've benchmarked practices of what hospitals are doing across the nation. And I'm no, I'm just going to tell it as it is. And you can get mad if you want to. Hospitals have got this guideline all messed up. They're implementing it incorrectly. And it's for the sake of staffing and not for the sake of safety. And yes, I said it. I don't care. I said it. And I said it because I'm a healthcare professional. I'm a healthcare consumer. I know the science. I know the data. And I want people to be safe. Now I'll say this. The CDC wants you to be safe, but they also want people to be serviced for their health and wellness. So there's a public interest in mind as well as the healthcare staffing in mind. But what I need to remind the CDC and what I need to remind the FDA and everybody else who's only worried about the numbers and the staffing and the FTEs is that healthcare providers are health consumers and are part of the public. So you can't expect me to test positive for COVID and maybe I don't have a fever and maybe my symptoms are improving, but I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I don't want to go back to work. And it's not because I don't want to go back to work because I'm lazy. I don't want to go back to work because I don't feel good. Yet you want me to go back to work when I don't feel good to take care of someone else who don't feel good. Now, where is the fairness in that? I don't see it. I don't see it. And what I've been hearing from my healthcare colleagues is that people are saying, oh, after five days, I can go back to work. Ta-ta-ta. That's not what the guidelines say. It's really not. It's misinterpretation from your healthcare facility. Let me say this. There are guidelines, quote unquote guidelines. So they're not law. But who is a hospital to supersede the guidelines set out by the CDC? Really? Like who who does that? Who wants to do that? Who wants the lawsuit that comes with that? I'm just saying. So if you are someone in the higher ups in the C-suite at a hospital, please come for me. Come call me. You can email me at nursealice at nurse.org because I stand firm and I stand clear in what I'm saying. And that is to protect our healthcare professionals. And right now, a majority of those who are listening are nurses, nursing students people who aspire to be nurses. And what I want to empower nurses as a larger segment of the healthcare workforce is to speak up about these decisions. Now, let me say this. Have I looked at the CDC to see which nurses are contributing, who's on the boards and who's saying this? No, I haven't. I I vaguely remember there was some nurses that did contribute to that, you know, to the CDC and those things, but I'm not quite sure who that person is because if I knew who it is, and it was readily available and very obvious, I would reach out to the person and be like, yo, what's going on? Because I need for the CDC to really have the buy-in and the status quo of the largest segment of the healthcare workforce. And if I if I am correct, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all, but even the American Nurses Association does not agree 
with the CDC guidelines set out. So how are you going to tell the largest segment of the healthcare workforce when to go back to work after they tested positive for COVID and after they've had symptoms so they can go and take care of somebody else? It don't work like that. Now, listen, nurses, we are the largest segment of the healthcare workforce. We are. You know how much power that has with that? I think people don't think it has power because it's predominantly a woman's profession. And because we're women, I believe sometimes our voice is muted or we're not invited to the table as if our opinions don't matter. But I'm here to tell you, yes, my name is Alice Benjamin, Nurse Alice, Ask Nurse Alice on all social media. So if you want to holla at me, have a conversation with me, I'm happy to do so, CDC and all of your hospital C-suite. But I really don't believe that we're doing the right thing. Because let me tell you, you want to talk about a nursing shortage? Let me tell you how to accelerate that nursing shortage. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Because nurses are 2022 nurses. Time to activate, right? Holy Spirit, activate, activate. Y'all know that. You guys have heard that, have that chant. All I'm saying is we are the largest segment of the healthcare workforce. We are not trying to be defiant. We are not trying to kick, cry, and scream. We are in interested in science, we are interested in data, and we are interested in the well-being of others. And that includes us because we are consumers as well. So don't try to send me to work COVID positive when I'm having symptoms, even though they've improved and I have no fever, saying that I can't go back. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't feel good. You want me to pass out on the floor, be short of breath and all those things while I'm trying to take care of someone else? You're going to have, instead of one patient, you have two patients because it's going to be me on the floor. And I don't think that's right. So for all of those who are listening, who are upset about the shortened quarantine time, the shortened isolation time, I am too. I don't like it. I don't like it. And let me say this. As an advanced practice nurse, as someone who diagnoses people with COVID, as someone who provides education, answers people's questions about testing and you know symptom management and contact tracing and all those things, when I talk to people, it is the most confusing shit ever to have to tell them like, well, we've shortened our isolation period. So, so now let me get to the guidelines for the general people. This is what we say for the general public. If you have tested positive for COVID CDC guidelines are you are to isolate at home for five days. Do not go out of the home. Make sure that you are wearing a good fitting mask in the home. So you, and physical distance from others. So not to increase the spread, but stay home for those five days. And then after those five days, On the sixth day, provided your symptoms are improved, there's no fever, you can resume your regular activities as long as you are wearing a well-fitting mask around other people, whether indoors or outdoors, but for another five days, because those first 10 days are a period when you are most likely to be contagious. Y'all, do y'all think they're doing that? No, I don't. I really don't. Because all I hear is five days and then just run with it. Now, someone will argue, Well, Nurse Alice, they weren't doing the 10-day isolation anyways. Just because you give someone instructions and they don't follow doesn't mean that you should change your message. It doesn't. So I'm going to change my message so it looks like more people are compliant when I know it's not the right thing. That's not how that works. It's not how that works. And then if you give in to that, you'll give in to something else. Then something else and something else. Pretty soon we ain't going to have no isolation. No isolation. Oh, you're positive? Okay. Because it feels like that's the way that we're going. And especially when we're allowing big businesses, and I'm not just talking about hospitals, but let's talk about the airlines, you know, Delta and United. Yes, I called them out. I love Delta. I'm sorry, I do. But why are big businesses asking the CDC to make changes to their guidelines? 
it's so that they can have a workforce. Basically, we really don't care that they're sick. Can you shorten the guidelines so we can get them back to work? Because that's really what it is. Don't tell me anything different. Don't. Because if you really cared, you cared about their health, well-being, and slowing the spread, you wouldn't try to bring them back when there is a potential that they could still be contagious. So I'm not trying to hear it, not buying it. And I'm not softening my message for anyone who's listening. Because I do believe in vaccines. I do believe in getting boosted. I do believe in wearing masks, physical distancing, washing your hands, all of the precautions. My biggest concern is this shortened quarantine and isolation period that we are putting on the public and healthcare professionals for the sake of getting back to business, getting the economy going. Listen, I know life needs to go on. It does. But allow me the decision to choose if I want to do that because I don't want to. I don't want to. I really don't. And let that be my choice. But don't just make it a guideline because you feel like, well, if we just say it like this, then, you know, we can make this person happy, that person. Not everybody's going to be happy. It's just not. And I would rather people be upset but safe rather than happy and sick because I feel like that's where that's going. Now, let me get back to the quarantine isolation. So another point of clarification. So nurses. I think it's very, very important that we get the language correct because as a larger segment of the healthcare workforce, as someone who people trust, most trusted profession, as someone who should be leading and contributing to many of these conversations that impact these guidelines and recommendations, it's important that we have it straight ourselves. So let's bring ourselves up to see, okay? First, let's start with isolation and quarantine. While the behaviors may seem similar, the term isolation is used when someone has tested positive, Okay. The term quarantine is when someone has been exposed, however, is not quite sure they're positive because they've not been tested. Very important that we get the terminology correct because we're confusing people. The words are not interchangeable. They're really not. Okay. So when I hear people, you interchange the words, I want to correct them. And it's not a correct them because I'm being anal, but correct them so that we are all speaking the same language because people don't understand when I hear the term isolation, oops, somebody's positive. When I hear quarantine, oh, someone's been exposed. That's the understanding that we should have with those words. So let's go to the guidelines. So as far as the general public, right? Because we, we all need to be on the same page when we are talking to patients and educating them about the shortened quarantine isolation times. And I will say this, the CDC has based this on the latest evidence that they have. While Omicron is highly contagious, its impact results in very mild illness, especially in those who are vaccinated and boosted. So the push there really is to make sure people are vaccinated and boosted to help minimize any symptoms or severe illness or death related to COVID. So when we're telling people, if you're positive, stay home for five days. If there are no symptoms or they're resolving, after five days, you can leave your home. Just continue to wear a mask around others for additional five days. Okay, that's the isolation. Now, what gets tricky is this quarantine time. So here you go. There's like two pathways here. So when it comes to COVID and quarantining, if you have been boosted, if you have a complete series of your Pfizer and Moderna and it's still within the six months, you're not eligible for a booster, or you have the Johnson & Johnson and it's still within two months and you're not eligible for a booster, and you've been exposed to someone who has COVID. Wear a mask around others for 10 days. On day five, Take a test if possible. However, if you develop symptoms, get a test and stay home, okay? Now, if you've completed your Pfizer and Moderna vaccine and it's been over six months and you're not boosted, if you've gotten your Johnson and Johnson and it's been over two months and you're not boosted, 
or you are unvaccinated and you've been around someone who's had COVID. Stay home for five days. After that, continue to wear a mask around others for additional five days. If you can't quarantine, you must wear a mask for 10 days and test on day five if possible. And if you develop symptoms, get a test and stay home. That's kind of confusing. So even myself as a healthcare professional, I kind of have to like write it out, really talk myself through it. So imagine having to educate the public on this. And for the public who are not healthcare professionals, who are probably scared they have COVID, um, that's hard for them to remember. And I believe that the CDC guidelines have actually made this more confusing. The water is muddier than it's ever been. And we as nurses need to say, well, we as nurses need to come in, level up on our COVID knowledge and education and help clarify all of the miscommunication that's out there with patients so they really understand what's going on with COVID. We really do. I don't like the shortened quarantine time, the shortened isolation time. It's based on the science. But let me say this, their guidelines, their guidelines are not law. I know healthcare organizations are leaning on these. They're, and actually, they're not even implementing them the way correctly, I guess I should say. I mean, I guess it says stay home for five days and then you can resume your activities after five. However, most people aren't taking care of sick and vulnerable and immunocompromised people like we are. So why would I want to still pot potentially be contagious, even if I got a mask on, be around other people who are susceptible to catching COVID and having severe complications. It just don't make sense. But they're trying to make it make sense because their staffing numbers, they need their staffing numbers to make sense. And I know a lot of us healthcare professionals have been testing positive. We have family members that are testing positive. We have children and family we have to take care of who are positive. I get it. Healthcare workforce is taking a hit, but it's going to keep taking a hit and we're going to cripple our healthcare workforce if we don't draw a line in the sand and take care of our peeps. We do. We need to take care of our peeps. So I'm a little upset about the isolation and quarantine guidelines. American Heart Association is not giving them the thumbs up. In fact, they're giving them the thumbs down. I'd be interested to know what you think. For those of you who are listening, I don't know if I've confused you with the guidelines. Let me know. Because I know sometimes I listen to myself. I'm like, dang, that was confusing. So poor general public who's, you know, like, what? What did you say? Like, we can't really expect them to know and remember all of those things. Just because we say it once doesn't mean that we'll remember it. If you guys recall, like there's tons of research that shows that when you're doing discharge education, most patients don't even remember. And if they, what they do remember, they don't even remember it correctly. So nurses, we got to step up, level up and help the CDC get this right. We need to speak out, let them know our concerns, send an email, give them a call, let them know how upset you are with these guidelines. And, you know, question your own hospital to see if they are following these guidelines correctly. You know, are we doing this in the interest of safety? Are we doing this in the interest of staffing? Because that's something that's important. It's always interesting how people like to follow the guidelines when it benefits them. But when it doesn't, they're like, oh, they're just guidelines. We don't need to do all that. So, for example, I will take um, the N95 fitting. When the pandemic hit, everybody's like, oh, we're not N95 fitting. Just pick a mask and put it on. Now, people are back to their N95 mask fitting, which is a good thing. But now it's like it was okay when it was to your benefit, right? Not to mine because y'all just put me in any old cup of any 95 mask. I'll take care of COVID patients. But now, especially that it's, it's a different time period, but now you're wanting to do the N95 testing. So we're doing that. Why now? I mean, it's just interesting. I mean, maybe that wasn't the best example, but what I'm saying is people don't always follow the CDC guidelines because they're going to say, oh, they're only guidelines. 
Well, who's the team inside the hospital that's making these decisions? Because I want to be on that committee. I want to see which doctor is saying that. I want to see which nurses are in that committee because please don't be some administrative nurse that's don't touch patients, that don't take care of COVID patients and don't even know how to start IV making decisions for what us, the bedside nurses do. No shade, but probably nine out of 10, that's the kind of nurse that's there. Unless you have a clinical nurse specialist. But anyways, let me know what you think, guys. Okay. Um, I'm Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, chief nursing officer at nurse.org. Nurse.org is a wonderful website that allows nurses to be nurses. We talk about the things that not everyone wants to talk about because nurses need to be informed. We are healthcare providers, but we are also consumers. And you can also go on there and check out everything you need to know from pre-nursing, you know, maybe you're interested in nursing school, where should you go? Maybe you're already um, in nursing school and you need some help with your studying and tips. Maybe you're a new grad and need some encouragement or you're a nurse who's been a nurse for a while and you're looking to pivot in your career. We've got tons of stuff and we can also help you learn pay for school. And we got some great campaigns that are going on. And if you haven't already, please, please, please read the real nursing shortage report. Okay. It's going to be instrumental. It really provides you with some information, statistics that you can take and use and apply at your staff meetings. When stuff comes up, you can say no. And you know, you're looking for data. Here's the data. You can, you know, quote the real nursing report. It's really legit. Lots of great information. It's very useful, very useful. And that's the type of information, those stats. I don't see where, I don't, see that living anywhere. I really don't. It's an article that's really for the nurses that gives you a lot of information that you can use and apply to help improve your workplace. Because listen, we don't want there to be a nursing shortage, but if we continue on the track that we're on, that's definitely where we're headed. So C-suites at healthcare organizations, hospitals, CDC, FDA, any other governing body that somehow, some way impacts what nurses do. We are here, we are listening, and we will no longer be quiet. We are going to speak up and we are going to be heard, and we are making moves in 2022. So I'm your host, Alice Benjamin. Please make sure to follow me on all things social at Ask Nurse Alice. I also have a website, AskNurseAlice.com, and you can email me at NurseAlice at Nurse.org. If there's a topic you want to talk about, you want to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, love to hear it. And also, please make sure to share the podcast, Sharing is Caring. Share it with your colleagues, your friends, your classmates, hey, your neighbors. And you don't necessarily have to be a nurse to listen to this. Okay, guys, this is for everyone because we talk about so many things, nursing and healthcare related. So we nurses, we're healthcare consumers too. So share it with another healthcare consumer. That's it. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Thank you so much for your support. 2022 is going to be a better year for us nurses. I'm going to see too. I'm going to do my part and I'm going to bring y'all along with me. So until next time, guys make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.